All right, where's Blake? Is he still at Longhorn? <laughs> that's funny <laughs> wouldn't try to do it up fancy there in florida go to red lobster or something <laughs> i'm back from their bar to yours chad and sarah of the popular youtube channel it's bourbon night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here tonight, and we have the fourth edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. This is a, a interview where we have ourselves as well as a few different predominant bloggers that are in the arena and around the, the um, I guess you say the space. And we just kind of talk about some of the things, but really... The big one tonight is we really want to kind of look at a year in review of just kind of what happened in 2016. Uh, so before we kind of get into it and kind of start talking about really our first topic for the night, I, I want to go around the table and have everybody introduce themselves. So I'm going to send it over to Carrie. So Carrie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, I am Carrie. I'm uh, I am uh, my website is Suburbia S U B O U R B I A. I'm on Twitter. I write an awesome article like once a month. Um, and, uh, I just like bourbon. I really like bourbon a lot. Um, been following it for about two and a half years now. Um, lately I don't like bourbon as much just cause of the whole industry and everything that's going on, but, um, still try to follow and keep up to date with everything. So thanks for having me. And he carries on before and also check out, uh, you know, kind of tailing off that check out the last episode we actually had just him on and we talked about the 10 annoying or what was it the most annoying uh problems in bourbon right now or something like that yeah i find that as the years have gone by both of them i um i, I think i focus a little bit more on the negative part of the hobby and i think that's why people relate to me a, a lot because there is a lot of crap that we deal with in this hobby and i tend to highlight that um trying to stay a little bit more in the positive realm but there's just as I'm tuning in here tonight, there's just stuff that's driving us crazy about this hobby. The power of positive thinking, Carrie. Come that's on. Right. I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, it's that time of the season where we can air our grievances. So we'll yes. get to do that here in a little bit. So, Brian, go over to you next. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me again. Brian Harrow with Sippin' Corn. Uh, at Sippin' Corn on Twitter was where you'll find me most of the time. Uh, got a blog, too, that focuses on. Uh, legal history, lawsuits among bourbon, and then also do some reviews. And tonight I'm having uh, enjoying my bourbon of the year, which is Rebel Yell, which I never thought I would ever say that in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> but my Rebel Yell 10 year is is my favorite of the year. You had any good articles lately? Uh, I haven't really. I haven't had a chance to do any of the uh, many articles probably in the last month or so. And 
before that, I took about a three-month uh, period off before I had a chance to do any. So I've got about 12 in the hopper. So I'm hoping uh, that Christmas break here lets me uh, get some of those out and get some of the reviews out. So LexisNexis is starting to update their database with new bourbon <laughs> trivia. <laughs> That's right. Always, always new cases. <laughs> All right. And then Blake. I'm Blake from bourboner.com. Uh, we have... Um, well, the Pappy and BTAC release maps that everyone hates, and um, also hey, restaurant food. recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> restaurant recommendations. Um, I actually also the home of free samples. Um, and then uh, we have a Facebook group as well. And then you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, Bourbonar, Bourboner, um, on Instagram right. and Bourbonercom on Twitter. Did you say Burboner? <laughs> <laughs> so this is as good of a question as BTAC versus BTAC versus Antique Collection. Is it Burboner or Bourbon R? Bourbon Boner. Bourboner. I've, always, I've always pronounced it Burboner. And my reason for having no E was because it looked like Burboner.com. And <laughs> that could be taken all kinds of different ways. You know, it, it, you know, going to your kid's school function. Well, you know, I also write a blog, burboner.com. <laughs> you can find me at Blake at the burboner.com. <laughs> I need a business card with that. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what that logo looks like, but it's probably inappropriate <laughs> in a long bottle. <laughs> I think it looks like something Booker's puts out. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of bookers, I guess let's go, let's go ahead and jump into that first topic. And and I kind of wanted to, to kind of get at this because it's really the big news of what's happened lately. So Beam has had, uh, so just a 2016 year review for Beam, they've, they've kind of done a whole lot of stupid shit in my opinion. So they had the Knob Creek 2001, which was a limited edition with like 30,000 bottles or something ridiculous. There's now batch four and five out as well. Okay, so what are we up to now? Sixty thousand bottles, pretty close to it. Yeah. Okay, so so hardly to call it limited edition, right? And you know maybe it's not stupid shit, but it's it's definitely they they are pushing the envelope, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Old Granddad One Fourteen is officially EOL end of life, and everybody's going out and clearing shelves. And now they have just recently announced in the past week, week and a half, that the their regular standard bookers, something that doesn't fly off the shelf. It's something that is a pretty solid bourbon. We talk about it pretty regularly on here. We had it in the last roundtable. We said, what's the good gift to give to somebody in the $50 range? And everybody pretty much said, we have bookers. That's, that's a pretty solid bourbon. And they said that they're now upping the MSRP to $99. So I'm going to uh, pose it over to you uh, first, Ryan. So kind of give me your thoughts. What, what do you think of, of what Beam has done this past year and maybe the thoughts on bookers in general? You know, my thoughts are it must come from Mila Kunis. Her contract just must be draining them <laughs> dry. Uh, no, she doesn't but, come cheap. She, <laughs> exactly. But uh, you know, it's. I think it's just a. It's just a. A beginning of you know others doing this. Uh, the Booker's thing. Does it bother me? No, because I only buy Booker's maybe every couple of years. But the thing that concerns me is that others are going to catch on to this or you know do this and. Uh, I think it's just going to be a, a new trend that all the stuff that used to be common is going to be raised prices and, and more expensive. I think that's just what's to come. Carrie, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, – Let me go last. Got that. <laughs> all right, Blake, you're up. <laughs> He's got something well prepared. Okay. <laughs> I, I've gone back and forth on this. So, um, And I feel like I've read so much about it. I'm probably just plagiarizing someone else at this point. Um, but – you know, they see other bourbons, other whiskeys selling for a hundred dollars and, you know, these NDPs that release like a blood oath or whether it's barrel or whoever it is who are in that ninety hundred dollar range, and they it's like, Oh, well, we should be there too. And instead of creating a different brand, they thought, Hey, why don't we just make Booker's that brand? Um, I think in a year or two it could still be a good business decision because how many how many times have we been asked what's a good hundred dollar bottle? Because I don't know, hundred has that magic number of, 
hey, I love you $100 worth of bourbon. You know, and so I think that's what they're positioning themselves to be. Um, now, as a Booker's drinker, I think it's a terrible decision because that's always been my go-to. I posted this earlier this week, but I finally found a uh, a Booker's Brown Wax. It's from, it's the 82. Um, you know, I got a chance to take part in one of the Booker's Roundtables. So I've been a Booker's fan for a long time. And to see it now be out of that price range of saying, yeah, this is a great recommendation, um, that's pretty disappointing. I will give – I just want this to also be on record just in case it happens. If they come back in early 2017 and are like, you know, Fred No put his foot down and said, we will not sell Booker's for $100, it's going to be – the biggest piece of marketing genius I've ever seen because people are literally clearing every shelf they can find. You stole my um, line. Did I? <laughs> I'm glad I went first. That's what you get for trying to back clean up, Carrie. I know. Yeah. I'm still back clean up. It's fine. <laughs> um, so all in all to say, as a Booker's consumer, I'm pretty disappointed in it. But, you know, from a business standpoint, look, it is what it is. The industry is getting flooded with more and more new drinkers and most of them won't even realize it used to be a $50 bottle um, in another year or two. So that's where I am. And the old granddad, I think that was just, you know, that's all going straight into Knob Creek now, I assume. So you, you now get to pay an extra 10 to $15 for it. I was thinking it might be a, a new edition of Basil Hayden, like Basil Hayden Reserve or something that they're going to do, just another label to slap on it. And yeah. also with, with that mash bill, it must be, right? I mean, they they can't put it in Knob Creek because it's the it's the Basil Hayden old granddad mash oh, bill yeah, for that. And now, now they're putting yeah. Basil Hayden in a, in a tube, for crying out loud. At 80 um, proof. Yeah, it's in a I tube. I haven't seen the so, tube. I haven't seen the yeah, tube. Yeah. So maybe uh, so that's a good point. I think mm -hmm. they might be coming out with some extra special Basil Hayden or or something with that mash bill. You know, I'll I'll let the market either prove ninety percent of the, uh, the the survey wrong, um, or or it, no, like like uh, Blake was saying, everyone will forget, and this is turns into being a hundred dollar bourbon. For my money, when you've got if you can find the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof uh, or a Four Roses private selection that you uh, that you that's picked by somebody you you like and you can and you've had good bourbons from them before, you know you do that. Or if you're in Kentucky, I think you get the bullet barrel proof, or you get the the barrel bourbon if you like that little bit more you know corny uh, taste. Uh, there's a lot of options that are still under a hundred dollars, and maybe those end up going up too in 2017. But those are now my buys over Booker's. I, first of all, I so. Everybody wrote articles about this whole thing, and I just I couldn't do it because number one, it's an absolutely brilliant marketing move on Booker's part and Beam's part because every shelf around me is empty of Booker's. I had my local guy say, "Listen, I got a, I got a case of something. It's, it's Booker's Roundtable or Toogie's Invitation." And I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. <laughs> no, I heard there were some of the greatest palettes on that tasting. Oh, is that and you? <laughs> <laughs> you ruined this I'll whole thing. It. The I'll second thing it. is, I mean, who gives a crap? First of all, everybody needs to understand that they have more power as a consumer than they even realize. Okay, think about Maker's Mark. Does everybody remember what happened with Maker's Mark a couple years ago when they decided that they were going to change the proof and they were going to lower the yeah. proof a little bit so that they could make more juice? make a little bit more money and there was a shortage and what happened like three months later the reverse the reverse right that's right and so mm -hmm. it's the same thing like if you don't if you didn't buy bookers before you're not gonna buy bookers now when it's 99 bucks and if you are pissed about it don't buy it let it sit on a shelf <laughs> let beam incorporated suntory whatever realize it was a terrible decision let them reverse it and just don't buy it like if everybody just doesn't buy it, Beam is going to get the hint and reverse the whole thing. So I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. They can try, but at the end of the day, there are so many bourbons that are out there that are awesome. They are strong. They are good, and they are under a hundred bucks. I mean, just yes. look at like the Old Forester nineteen, uh, the Prohibition nineteen twenty. Yeah. I would recommend that mm -hmm. all day long for sixty bucks 
for anybody who wants a really strong, it's not quite barrel proof. It's 115, I think, but I'm, what is Booker's usually around that same proof anyway, right? So don't panic, relax, let the market and let you as a consumer dictate what's going to happen to Booker's in the future. 22 Great. catch 22 said he's still pissed at makers to this day, by the way. You know, um, there's a guy who bought two cases of uh, lower proof, but didn't make makers when it came out. It was just a little bit that came out and he's sitting on it so that he can sell low proof makers and make a bunch of money on it. Right. Brilliant. So Michael Lorado had the same kind of sentiment as you thinking that it was probably just decision-making and hopefully it's just going to be a fallout. However, he doesn't think that Beam's going to give in the same way that Makers did. Because you got to understand, uh, at least back when that happened with Makers, it was still kind of a pretty small family-run business at that point. It wasn't owned by uh, whoever they're owned by now. Beam. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. When, when they when they get owned by Beam, I totally forget now. I don't recall. Somewhere in the mid to late 2000s. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember when it's going to happen, but anyway, uh, and then I kind of have the same sentiment as Jamie Albright in here. So he said that beams manipulating the demand to increase profits. Um, prior to this bookers wasn't exactly flying off the shelf, but in the day they want more money, you know, I'll play devil's advocate here, right? Like I don't like the decision, but you can kind of see where they're coming from. Right. I, I would totally think that they want to get more money for what they're, what they're putting out there. I think, you know, Fred Minnick and other, other people in the, in the scene, they were all saying that it was a very, undervalued bourbon for what it was in the very beginning. Right. And I kind of, I kind of think so too. Um, you know, uh, Craig, Craig rapper says, I think the juice is running low. I don't think that at all. I think they've got probably yeah. more than, than they can handle. Um, and then if you had the chance, so the guys from breaking bourbon couldn't join us tonight, but they had a, a pretty interesting survey they had put out on their blog and I'm actually looking at it right now, and it's close to 700 responses, 694 responses. And this data is actually pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so, you know, they asked things like, how often did you drink Booker's? Uh, the most responded was sometimes, and then the next one was rarely. Um, are you going to stock up on Booker's before the price increase? Uh, 47% said no. 31% uh, said yes. I'll go ahead and put myself into the yes category. I bought one extra bottle because I already had four in the basement, but I'd figured I'm saving 50% now than I would next year. So we'll see. Uh, and then this is kind of the staggering one, which I thought was pretty impressive. Out of 694 responses, it says, will you buy Booker's when the price goes up to 100%? And the amount of people that said no was 615. So almost an 89% response rate said they will not buy Booker's when it gets to a hundred dollars. So I guess that kind of goes back to you guys. Like, what do you think is a fair price for bookers? $56.99. I say around here, that's still, you can get $56.99 all day around here in Kentucky. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, so it's good, right? But the ages have been going down. The price has been going up. It's kind of like, I mean, bourbon, it's, but it's a six great. year barrel proof bourbon. It can't be, you know, I'd, I'd say 60 to $70. I mean, hell, Elijah Craig, 12 years, $75, you know, to $90. And I think that's much better option. For much the, better. I agree. Like I agree. For the bail proof? Yes. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll even still sell it at 50 at some places. I think MSRP is forty nine ninety nine. Um, and, and honestly, like it, some of the companies who, who have their products out there, I think they're going to say, you know, oh, here's a couple companies that are, raising their prices. Let's go in with our barrel proof six to seven year or eight years, stay at our price and watch our sales go up as everybody starts buying us, as opposed to the regular bookers buyers who are now going to abandon ship. I think there's, there's so much competition. How could every company decide that they're going to raise prices like this? They can't. Somebody's going to come in and say, Oh, well you guys are going to price at a hundred. We're going to price our barrel proof at 70 bucks. I just think we're at a point in the market where these companies are trying to push to see where that threshold is. And because it's so hot right now, they're kind of going to see what is that price point that we can push it to. And then once we get there, all right, we're going to, you know, slowly back it off there and then keep it at that. Because it's just so hot right now. And they can pretty much sell anything they want. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely a good one to bring up and that's what uh, Craig Ruppert said that is at the same exact time he said let's not even get started on Willet and he said they lost their damn minds in the gift shop this year you, can, you can't do a year in bourbon review without mentioning that and I, I totally agree you know talking about pushing the envelope for the longest time you could get 
I would say in the past two years, you could go to the, the gift shop at Willet and it was $10 for every year. So 12, 12 year was 120, 125 bucks, add a little tax, that's what it was out the door. Now they, they started pushing it a little bit. I think they had a 14 year that was there I, close to three weeks to maybe three or four weeks ago, something like that. And I think they were trying to sell it for damn near like 225 bucks. Yeah, um, it was 230. 230, yeah, it was 230 yeah. out the door. And it sat there. I mean, it sat there for a while. But however, people are going to buy it because no matter what, it's just what people are going to do. It just didn't flop the shelves as it usually did. And then now they've kind of backed it down a little bit. And so a 12 year is around 260 or sorry, uh, 165. So it's about an extra $50 on top of it. Is it undervalued? Maybe Um, at the end of the day, it's not like these distillers and these people in marketing, they're not idiots. I mean, they see what happens on the secondary market. They see what people are willing to pay and they think, well, if we can get just a little bit more in our pocket, sure, why not? I just yeah. I want people to stop saying the word Henry McKenna. Just stop <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> Everybody wants to keep Henry McKenna on the radar. No, no, it's terrible whiskey. Just move on to something else. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. I think it's pretty good no, for I, a problem of bond at 10 years. I was kidding. He, he's trying to, he's trying to keep it. I was kidding, yeah. I'm trying to keep people away. Henry McKenna is a great, a great, great deal. Heaven the Willow thing's interesting. Yeah, the Willow thing's interesting because they get not nearly as much, or maybe it's just because it's not as massive as a company as like a beam, but they don't get nearly as much of the backlash from raising prices as some of these other guys do. You know, very rarely do the, you hear the, oh, well, it's money hungry. It's no, well, it's just adjusting to the market where everyone else is like, oh, they're a greedy corporation. And that's always a, an interesting one to me that will it for some reason gets this, uh, always gets this nice pass. You know, it's, it's good stuff. They, they seem to be the accepted NDP, but um, it is funny how they just keep pushing the price, pushing the price. And people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. oh, it you know, still sells out market. in two hours. So yeah, yeah, that's that, that's a part of it. Is it still sells no, out, and the buyers need to blame themselves. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, no you're the right. Buyers blame themselves. Brian, who is your on the flip side of that? Who are the companies that you think are are staying true to their pricing and not trying to rip off consumers? No one. Yeah. Well, everyone, yeah, everyone's in it to make a profit. None of them are, uh, none of them are all altruistic and, uh, and here to give us free bourbon. But uh, let's see, it's probably been three years ago, Four Roses private selections locally were in the 45 ish mm-hmm. range. And then they moved to 50 and 55. And now you're starting to see them at 65. So they're moving up slightly. So I, I would have said four roses, but they're they're inching up. But frankly, their private barrels have been have been every, worth every penny of that. Yeah. Um, you know, the wild turkey. You know, they've they've got their strange pricing uh, similarities between Russell's Reserve and and Kentucky Spirit, which cannibalize on themselves. I think one's a lot better than the other, but you know, they're both. Forty-five to fifty-dollar bourbons, depending where you where you shop, and they've been kind of that price for a little while. Um, so maybe maybe Wild Turkey, um, maybe and Brown you have Masters Keep and Diamond as well, though. Well, and you still got uh, Diamond on the shelves here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was oh, yeah. a, either a mistake on their part or just uh, overpriced or overproduced, <laughs> one or the other. You know, if it's um, just on the shelves in Louisville, Kentucky, that there's there's something up with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I like the uh, the Brown Foreman comment. I think that Brown Foreman is the only one so far that I haven't been able to say jack the price suck. on something. Because it's because <laughs> it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Old Forester nineteen twenty is great. I just had the great day, two thousand sixteen Sunday, and I was like, uh. This is not I love Brown Foreman products, but I I, I got to try, try the 1920. But even Old Forester Birthday Bourbon has been, I mean, what was it three years ago? I think, and it was would sit six deep on a shelf. Um, yep. And I think I paid eighty or ninety this year. Um, now that's not a huge increase. I would consider that in the reasonable range, but 
Well, the whole Willits thing, I, I get why they get a pass. And here's why they probably get a pass. You know, they're a small family, you know, owned company, and they only have eight warehouses up there. And to be honest, I think I don't mind their prices as much because all their estate bottles, like I enjoy them. I've never been like, oh, this is crap. Whereas if I go to Heaven Hill or something and get a Parker's this year, or William Heaven Hill or others that I paid three, you know, 300 bucks for, and it's just junk. That's what pisses me off. I don't care paying about high prices. I just want the quality. Oh, I hear you. I still think Again, Will Will's delivered. You're right. Heaven Hill did a great job for a while of, even though they took the age statement off the Elijah Craig, I still felt like a lot of their products were, were in line with what you would expect. And then came Parker's heritage 24 year, which just went from <laughs> 99, retail to two forty nine, two ninety nine at the gift shop. So, um, I still love, I love their products. I still think, you know, the Elijah Craig barrel proof is still probably the best deal out there for barrel proof bourbon, but you know, hell in six months, it'll probably be a hundred bucks. I mean, with that, do you think it's because the year before was, well, that was a malt. Let's just, let's call that a bad year. Uh, the year before that one was a, was a 13 year, right? And that was a $99 one. So you're adding on an extra, you know, what, 11 years here. Um, so do you really think it's, it's because of, of the aging that they made it more or just because like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try to, you know, tw- jab and twist the knife as deep as we can and, and see how much blood we can squeeze out of here. They got so much stock over there. Uh, I, I don't think it's the age. They got so much shit. They're just probably like trying to get rid of it. And let's see what we can sell it for. That's my thoughts. I think you pay uh, for I mean, now unless you buy a orphan barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they were definitely, um, they're the ones who were, we're looking at bottle blue book to see how they should price the new Elijah Craig 21 and then Elijah Craig 18 year when it were released. So they were doing the exact same thing as everyone else while they've kind of let these other brands like, you know, I think on the last round table, everyone mentioned the uh, uh, Haven Hill, Heaven Hill bottled and bond. Uh, the one that's only released in Kentucky is their favorite bottom shelf, but those upper brands, they've been pushing the limits. I mean, 18 year was a $45 bottle four years, five years ago. And now it's $150 bottle. The 21 is $200 bottle. So they push it. Everyone does it and you can't blame them because it's a business, but as consumer, it still sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So before we move on to the next part of this, uh, just to kind of, you know, we don't want to talk about Henry McKenna anymore because we don't talk about Henry McKenna. But we'll, so we'll talk about all four is 1870. So there's a lot of people that kind of chimed in. So Robert, Robert Shaw said, uh, or sorry, uh, Catch-22 said, Old Forester 1870 is full of flavor. Another couple of years on age, it would be really amazing. Uh, Robert Shaw said, 1920 crushed Old Forester birthday of this year's releases. Uh, and then other people started chiming in about um, Wild Turkey. You know, Speakeasy said, Wild Turkey is staying true as anyone could hope. So uh, I think there's a lot of same sentiments around there. So on the last uh, roundtable, we talked about gifting, right? I mean, it's the, it's the holiday time. You know, we're coming into Christmas right now. And we always get the questions of, you know, what should we give somebody? Uh, but nobody's really asked us like, oh, what what do you want to get? So I'll kind of pose it to you guys. So this money's not an object here, right? Because everybody's sitting here and we're trying to pull as much money and bleed as much money as they can out of us. So money's not an object. If you had the choice of any unicorn out there, uh, what's what's it going to be? So I'll, I'll throw it to you, Blake. Oh, man. Um, so... I mean, if we're talking money's no object, I might as well shoot for the stars here. I'm talking like a Willick green ink from Doug or, you know, something crazy like that. Um, but typically my favorite go-to bourbon gifts have been the 200 milliliters of National Distiller. So like an old granddad or old Taylor, because they're kind of small. Who's buying you those gifts? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody that just got their trust fund. But right, bourbon connoisseurs or like average Joe from down the street? We'll say, I mean, like I said, there's, there's no, there's no limits here. So I'm not, I'm not telling you that like, well, I guess just go get me an old Forester 1920 because there's nothing else on the shelves. Right. I mean, this is, this is somebody that like did the research they want on the secondary market and bought it for you. Say, say it was, say it was us in this group and we we're all pitching to buy you a bottle. What, what do you want? 
Can, can you give me that? That was 18? Yeah. Pre-2016, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think it was Sazerac 18 from 2015 and earlier. <laughs> but like, you know, people say, what's your favorite bourbon? That's a, it's one of the toughest questions to answer as a, as a bourbon enthusiast because anything I say, you're never going to be able to find in a store unless you've been shopping there for a long time or you know somebody. I mean, it's not just – I can't just rattle off my – top three favorite bourbons or rye, you're not going to find it anywhere, right? So it's... Well, yeah, it's, that's the point. You're yeah. going on the secondary markets and buying it for you. Yeah, right. All I right. didn't even know how to get to those. All right, if, I wish this was like around the table. I'm going to silence you. Brian, we're going to you. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, I'm not even sure where to begin. I, I agree a lot with Carrie on this. Um, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where to find some of these things because they're not available. But if I could have a 2006... Weller, um, I'd get that uh, from the antique collection. Um, something more recent, I really liked the 65-gallon uh, bourbon that uh, that Heaven Hill put out in the, as a William Heaven Hill, I think it was the fourth edition, and then it was the same thing that Bourbon Bar got in Atlanta. And some of those bottles have have made it out on the on the secondary because something funky happened with Bourbon Bar. So those are probably more accessible than the uh, than the Weller. Uh, but it was if anyone can get a hold of those, that's a really good bourbon to, to find somewhere. Which that is probably still in one of my favorite bourbons is that bourbon bar pick. I've had um, it. Excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic. I actually got a free bottle of that. This is a crazy sidebar, but uh, a friend of mine was they were putting them on the shelves in a store in Savannah, and he was like, "Oh, that's an interesting interesting bottle. I've never had it. It's only forty five bucks." and grabbed like three or four of them, went back, grabbed like three or four of them the next week, went back a third week, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. The distributor <laughs> took all those back. <laughs> well, I know the guy that reclaimed all of those. So. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they like did a serious reconnaissance mission to get those things back. <laughs> yeah, they did do too well. So you've got a line on them then, Kerry. <laughs> I did. I passed them up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a big mistake. Yeah, did my those answer, are fantastic. Did my answer on the Christmas gift get through my connection lost? Um, I just want to make sure everyone knows what to get me for Christmas. <laughs> you said Henry McKenna, right? <laughs> yep, yep. I said a case of Henry McKenna. You can find it at your local store. Um, preferably, be, prefer, preferably one near Cary. And what about you, Ryan? I guess he wants some more uh, Parker's blend of mash bills or something. Oh, no, well, such a good bottle. I, that used to be my favorite, but after going to DC and to the Mecca of bourbon bars, I uh, had the original Van Winkle rye in a green bottle. I think it was from like the 70. I can't remember the year I was drunk, but anyways, it was the old medley, uh, I guess, rye mash bill or whatever and it was one of the best things i've ever had so that would be it or this bond and lit called bottle called bond and lilliard it's a national distillers product from 1968 oh man yeah you get i guess you you got to really uh you know enlighten or enlighten your uh experiences when you got to go visit our old uh old cohort bill down there in dc huh so you got to go try a bunch of good stuff yeah that place he has six thousand bottles at his house and who's that? Uh, Bill Thomas that owns Jack Roses okay. in DC, and then he has like ten thousand more at an undisclosed location, <laughs> and then there's two thousand at Jack's at all times. So it's pretty insane all the stuff that he has. It's crazy. That's a lot. He had one of my favorite uh, Bourbon Pursuit podcasts on his, where he gave his phone number out at the end. Oh yeah. And I've actually been texting with him about some bottles that I've been trying to get him in connection with this lady. She didn't want to sell. And I'm like, well, there's this other guy. He's really famous for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. He said he got like 10 phone calls and he was like, I want to do it yeah. again because I got the most leads ever off your show. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know where to sell your old bottles. I have this old granddad on a swing. I don't know if that's worth money. <laughs> it's nothing. No. Garbage. Just drain for it. <laughs> open it up. Yeah. Open it up and drink it. <laughs> Throw away the bottle. Keep the swing. That's yeah, the swing is cool. <laughs> just, the bottle just goes like this. Awesome. Yeah. Put your put your elf on the shelf on it. 
All right, so let's go ahead. We'll move into the Kenny. Kenny, we didn't hear your Christmas. Yeah. Oh, your, oh. So yeah. if it's for me, I, I mine's kind of a mine's kind of a. I don't know. I guess I'm cheating a little bit because it's kind of a trio. But I want the the Rittenhouse lineup, the 21, 23, and 25 year rise. So that's that's what I would want in the wooden tubes sitting on my shelves. All right, we know what to get you now. Yes, yeah. we'll have a call after this. It's yeah, a lot of wants for me. Thirty five hundred later, make it happen. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. All right, so let's move into the uh, kind of the next part and really the, the main kind of piece of this show is kind of just talking about a little bit more about 2016 year in review. So I'll kind of pose the question to you, to Carrie. I'll pose it to you first. So do you think this year was a, a year of dud bourbons? I would say, um, yes, it was. I'll say for the most part, this was a pretty dud year of bourbon. Um, considering my absolute favorite bourbon or rye, bourbon rye, which is so interchangeable these days, is Sazerac 18, the tank stuff. And I just found this year's, first distill of buffalo trace to be pretty bad actually not even not even good just um pretty poor seasoned wood the big release and uh and um i guess winter slash spring was just okay to me compared to cured oak last year which i thought was amazing um i did like the parker's heritage i thought it was priced uh a little bit higher than i was expecting um both of the diageo releases sucked like gifted horse and the god awful uh 28 year hoop and holler so yeah i think and a lot of people although i found the the 2016 small batch i actually enjoy it a lot of people um didn't like it i mean it was hard to follow up the 2015 um, limited edition small batch but that and i think the old forester birthday bourbon didn't have great reviews i think yeah in general besides the booker's rye and the parker's heritage i think a lot of bourbons um were frowned upon this year brian what do you think yeah i agree with that it's it's all of the limited editions which some of them a handful of should be earth shattering none of them were earth shattering and so instead what we had it's both have already been mentioned tonight but the uh the 1920 old forester and the, and Rebel Yell Luxco comes out with something, so it's been a year of of duds for the limited editions, I think. Uh, but we've had some silver linings in in uh, in some of the more affordable, attainable brands. Um, so I've enjoyed those. Uh, I did. I'm with you, Carrie. I, I liked the 2016 limited edition small batch. Um, I've had only samples of the antiques. And nothing really was very good there. Um, I didn't have the uh, the old Forrester birthday bourbon, 
um, but didn't like you got you all didn't hear very many good things about it. So uh, I'm looking for something. Uh, all of the distilleries need to up their game for 2017, and, and uh, let's see what they can do with it. And we we know they have it in them. I mean, it, Booker's Rye to me was was good, but nothing like the 25th anniversary. And with as much bourbon as Bean is sitting on, you know they've got something somewhere that can match that 25th anniversary. And and that's what they're probably going to come out with something truly limited every year instead of this Knob Creek baloney. Um, so they can do it. We know Heaven Hill's got the stock. Uh, if Buffalo Trace would just release something, we know they've got some stock. So I, I got hopes they can do it, but they didn't do it this year. I will say the the one positive thing that uh, was also that wasn't talked about uh, missing the bourbon side. I thought the Four Roses limited edition small batch was significantly better this year than it was last year. Um, what? Yeah, me too. You don't think so? I think so. The was legendary. It was so good. You think? I thought this. Yeah. I thought this year's was still a little bit better, but maybe that's yeah. just me. All in all, they all beat twenty fourteen. So we can yes. agree yeah. upon that. Absolutely. Right? Twenty fifteen was the second best besides twenty besides the one twenty fifth. Right. So I I, I mean I, I think they did a, a pretty decent job, but I, I totally agree because there's you can you can look it around you can read the forms you can see what people see or people say there's really only two that I think stand out from a lot of people and that of course is Booker's Rye I think we can beat that with a dead horse um, it was named Whiskey of the Year all of a sudden the prices have damn near gone up thirty percent and uh, overnight. But uh, the other one is a lot of people, maybe it's just because there was so much more of it this year and there's just so many more people into it. But a lot of people said the 2016 William LaRue Weller was really good this year. Yeah. I haven't actually had a chance to try it just it because. Good. But I mean, it's 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 also because it, a lot of people see it. They think it's the white whale. They want to get it. And this was the year that they had, what, like 12,000 bottles of it or whatever. And so... There's a lot more noobs that are in the game, and they they think it's the best damn thing that they've ever had. So that that could be a perception thing. It could be because they're they don't have a very refined palate, or they don't really know what they're looking for yet. But those are two that uh, constantly or consistently read about. You know, I I think every blogger that's on this panel tonight ripped apart BTAC pretty pretty bad. Um, you know, in regards of Saz eighteen and Eagle Rare. Um, now, one thing that I did find interesting was that a lot of people said that the Thomas H. Handy was a lot better than the previous years. So uh, I guess it's still handy at the end of the day, but hey, at least it's better. And then, uh, you know, Carrie, you kind of talked about it before we started recording this is, is what were your thoughts on this year's Van Winkle lineup? What you thought about it in regards to previous years? I didn't think the 10 was as good as 15. Um, I never think the lot B is good. I think every year I try lot B and I think how could I don't even think it's worth retail. Um, I have not had the 15. Um, I have had the rye, which is still the tanked stuff. This is the last year of the tanked since I think 2011, which is amazing. Um, the 20 I have not had. I heard the 20 actually was terrible this year, and I have tried the 23, which was. I mean, it's not bad. You're never going to try 23 years wheat whiskey and say, you know, weeded bourbon and say um, that this is bad. It just was very one dimensional, had almost like a bitter aftertaste. We both, a buddy of mine uh, down the street, I called him and asked if he wanted to try 23 year pappy with me when he ran up the street. And um, we both were just pretty unimpressed by it. So I don't think any of them have really been all that impressive. I think we, we've kind of felt that way for a couple of years now and, and kind of know that Buffalo Trace probably is going to have a pretty difficult time matching Stitzel Weller and um, what they produced for the Van Winkles. But, um, and, and, you know, we can all say that I think that name is probably worth more than what's inside the bottle at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was, it was a disappointing year in general. Now, I will say, going back to your William Rue Weller, I think that's actually awesome this year. I think the 16 William Rue Weller is a fantastic bourbon. It's full of flavor, lots of depth. Um, Really, really good, but not so much for the Van Winkle line. Now, we also were talking about a different one that you were drinking before we started this, which was uh, super limited, right? So, like, only 250 bottles of release, but it was this year's Heaven Hill Select Stock, which was a pre-fire um, release. So, talk to tell everybody a little bit about that. 
Uh, really good. Um, yeah, I didn't know they only had how many barrels did they have of that? Uh, not a whole lot. I think like four barrels. Four barrels. Okay, that. so they they released. Um, yeah, I guess it was twenty year. Uh, they had a fire in ninety six, right? Right. And burned down um, most all the racket, most all the uh, rick houses, and I don't know if the distillery itself was burned down, but it got me out of school that day. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. And uh, I guess they had some barrels left over, so they they <laughs> just recently bottled it. Um, I think it was a hundred. Was it bottled a bond? Um, but it was barrels from pre-fire, and I guess they aged them till twenty years, and I, it's awesome, awesome bourbon. But I mean, at two hundred, you know, two hundred fifty bottles, they're um, they're going to be even harder to find from here on out, and the price will just keep going up. But that was a, a really good release. I actually was a huge fan of Parker's Heritage this year. I like the older style, um, heavy oak. Um, on the Basement finish. tasting. I think it was awesome. It, it's, it was very polarizing. It was kinda, I think half the people, pump it, water half the people loved it. Um, I was a big fan of it. But, yeah, I even forgot what question you asked me. <laughs> well, we're talking about, you know, if we thought 2016 was a year of dud bourbon. Duds. 2016, definitely duds for me. Uh, the Four Roses Limited Edition was pretty good, um, but not spectacular. Um, other than that, I really can't say I liked anything. The best thing I had was actually, I had it last weekend, and it wasn't even a bourbon. It was this Bainbridge Yama American Single Grain Barley Whiskey that was aged in, like, Japanese wood or something. I don't know. I had it at Jack Rose's and it's by far the best thing I've had this year. It's made out of this company in Seattle and it's fantastic. It's freaking killer. Play duds. All right. So let's go. I'm going to get some of the, uh, some comments that are coming in. So uh, 22 catch 22 says, I thought the Weller 12 sucked this year. Um, Well, I guess it's Weller 12. I don't really know how to respond to that. Um, Michael Lorado said it was not a dud for me because there's always bottles I want and can't find. I really enjoyed the BTAC handy rebel yelled old Forster 1920 uh, midwinter's night act four. And this was the year I discovered 1792 and Pikesville Rye. So I guess, I guess there is uh, some of that that people are trying to, you know, experiment and kind of go out and find stuff. I also think it's um, kind of a side effect of what, Facebook forums and everything that's happening of everybody getting into bourbon as well as everybody wants to go and find limited editions. And then they are uh, severely disappointed sometimes, but you know, at least with us, we've been around it enough that maybe 90% of our bar is nothing but limited editions. So um, it's, we didn't talk about 1792. Oh, go ahead. Talk about it. What do, what do you think? About? <laughs> 1792 was, uh, they did the foolproof this year. And I think that was a, mm-hmm. um, very, I think a lot of people like the foolproof. I think for fifty bucks, it was a nice little bourbon. I, to me personally, every seventeen ninety two tastes the exact same. It's the same way I feel about Jefferson's. Anything Jefferson's finished in, I agree, it tastes the same. Cask tastes like Jefferson's. I will say I, I I'd like that. You know, Blake had a pretty good assumption on the last, or was it one of the community roundtables and talking about how 1792 is where Sazerac's heading to see how they can expand the brand and really make it more appealing to more people. And that's why they're trying all these different finishes and releasing these limited edition pieces. But I, I do like that they, they are coming out with the, the full proof. It's not barrel proof, but it's entry proof. Uh, in my opinion, I'm not a huge fan of the barrel proof version of the full proof. Um, or the foolproof uh, version. Uh, I, I do think that the single barrels of 1792 uh, provide a little bit of uh, the ability to kind of discern a lot of taste between uh, a few of the different single barrels because when I taste the foolproofs kind of next to each other, I'm, I'm like, I honestly, I can't tell the difference, guys. So I think it was a good year for like the mid, mid-range bourbons, like the foolproof, the 1792s, they had some good releases. Um, you know, there were a few other ones that, they slid into that 40 to $60 category that were pretty good. But all in all, I mean, I don't think anyone was blown away by any release this year, except for, uh, I mean, I was, I thought Booker's ride was really good, but it was 300 bucks. So it's hard to get too excited about something that's priced at secondary from the get go. And then, you know, William LaRue Weller was really good, but, 
how many people are going to get their hands on a bottle of that. So um, it's just getting harder to, you know, find a mass market with bourbon that is really good. Um, The only thing I would say is the longer we put up with the bull crap that we have to deal with, the closer we get to age statements coming back to bourbon because of excess inventory. I mean, how many, what's the, the stat on the number of barrels aging in Kentucky? Isn't it more than the number of people living in Kentucky right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, it's only getting bigger. But that's just because nobody wants to live in Kentucky. We're going to catch up. <laughs> right, we're going to catch up with that. Eagle Rare 10 years is going to put the number back on the front. Elijah Craig's going to put their 12 back on the front. There's so many options for people. It, you know, we are spoiled because we love our great deals and the, and the age statements and the barrel proofs at great low prices. But the truth is, the distilleries know this. They're amp- they've been ramping up production for a couple of years. I mean, how much longer do we have to sit through this bullcrap before everything turns About back in our years. favor? Yeah, no, I honestly think it could be another decade before. You're a pessimist. <laughs> no, I'm, I think, I'm an optimist for the I think one, because the the market is so huge. I mean, we're sitting here talking about this, but we're, we're that 1% of the market. You know, there's still that other 99% that is just now getting into it. And they're still buying $4,000 of bourbon a month on Jefferson's and Elijah Craig, just because it has 12 year on the back label. And you know, they're stocking up Elmer T. Lee by the caseload. There's still a lot of that out there. Well, and the, the, honestly, 99% of the bourbon buyer goes into Total Wine. And they say, what do you recommend? And they say, let me show you this awesome uh, Wathens bourbon or, mm-hmm. you know, this this particular private label bourbon made by somebody for them. So I think still the, the average consumer of bourbon probably still, they know that bourbon is hot but they still don't know what brand to get when they walk into a store. Mm -hmm. So here's here's an interesting thing that was brought up by one of the um, people commenting, and and I kind of want to get Brian's take on this. And so 22Cash22 said, with the pressure on timber, I think they're using wood that has been properly aged and dried. Uh, And so do you think that that's why a problem of this year's duds is because of a problem with, would i mean honestly i don't think oh. it is because they would have had to do that you know if nothing's being put out that's 24 right. years ago right years ago yeah that exactly i would have had been a problem a long time ago so that that i've heard too that the there's are going to be some lumber shortages so that's going to be a problem when this when this glut that we've got starts coming in at six years and eight years old for probably you know in the next two or three years two two to four years when we start getting that that's when we might start seeing it um now i i know that uh brown foreman with their own cooperage has done a really good job of making sure that they've got the the right supply and they're still taking the the same steps they do to age it and all those sorts of things but there's you know there's not a lot of people making barrels out there so I think what we'll probably see is we'll run out of barrels and you'll be doing, what's the Brown Foreman brand that ages in, in used barrels? I don't even remember. It's can't even think Jack of that is. Um, <laughs> they might as well. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we're going to have, we're going to start seeing some, uh, some used barrels come in and, and, and brands trying to tout American whiskey and not being able to use the bourbon name because I think we are going to run out of wood. Yeah, I don't know. It might sound crazy, but I think in like six to eight years, it's kind of going to be like the the beer market is now. Like everything special releases from these small breweries, and I think the craft distilleries are going to have to pick up and do these special releases. That I, I know it's going to take a while, but I think that's where you're going to get the the value and the the difference and the the wow factor of these special releases from these craft distilleries in the future. I think the big companies are just going to move towards their you know, Elijah Craig's, their staple products, because that's their most profitable. And I think the craft still are going to have to pick up for the special releases moving forward. Maybe I'm crazy, but... They'll be really limited by then, so well, let's, let's hope not. Just wait for... There's a craft distillery here in Atlanta that has made their own bourbon, 
and they're aging it in a warehouse in Atlanta here. And I tried it recently at only 16 months and it's amazing. They're going to be the next Willet. I'm just saying they're going to blow it away. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent correct is, you know, we're going to start to see these small craft distilleries that are doing cool stuff and there's enough of them now, you know, there's like 1100 craft distilleries in the U S right now someone is doing something cool and interesting and their experiment is going to turn out really well. And that's where the market's going to eventually go. You know, it's going to go more regional where, you know, Caribbean and Atlanta is going to want to support this distillery instead of buying a $70 bottle from some guy across the country. Um, So I think that is definitely where bourbon and whiskey will go within the next, six to eight years, maybe even sooner than that, just depending on who has aging stock. Um, Cause eventually we'll stop grading it on that kind of craft curve of, yeah, it's good, but it's still young. It's craft distillery. You know, eventually it'll just be. And um, that's when I think all these pricing decisions will be, um, will be really big mistake for, for the big brands. Duke Holbrook says, so the Booker's wooden box is the real culprit here. <laughs> That's my <laughs> uncle. Watch out. <laughs> All right. So we're getting, we're getting pretty close to the end here. I know Blake and Carrie have, have got to run off to bed here soon. So I, I just want to throw a commercial out there. <laughs> so this okay. is Booker's. This is Tukey's Invitation. This is priced right now at fifty six ninety nine. I would run out tomorrow and buy all of these up because I don't know if you know this or not, but they're going up to $99 and this wood, I mean, this is fresh wood on this box right here. Okay, and so. it was hand selected and handcrafted by one of the best tasting panels in Booker's round table history. So is your name on the bottle? Cause it's no. on like 18 other bottles, but did you put your name on this one? You should have. Um, I, my nickname in high school was Toogie. So, yeah. I saw for boner <laughs> on here. That's why. It says for boner's big. Just be smart as consumers. Stick with this hobby and just Actually, don't. On, if you look at the bottom of the bottle, I, I, oh, I right don't buy stupid shit. Don't buy Blake's internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's kind of wrap this up. So I kind of want to leave everybody with, with one last thought. Uh, I want you to say what's one thing that you're happy about and one thing that pissed you off in 2016 in regards to bourbon. I, it's really easy for us to sit here and point out all the negatives because we kind of live and breathe and die by this stuff, but, you know, kind of, kind of pick out a, a good moment and then talk about one thing that just kind of, you know, really irks you and gets at you about this year. All right, I'll jump in on something good, and it's not a, a brand in particular, but I, I think bourbon enthusiasts are are using their power for good, and we've had a lot of bourbon groups raising money this year. Um, I was at a Jim Rutledge event that raised something like $28,000 for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, which is near and dear to Jim's heart, um, at a cause he supports. And no one was really celebrating his 50th since he had left. So um, put put a bit on a big party for him and raised a bunch of money. And there's other groups that have been raising money through charity tastings where they, they get the rarest of all rare bottles in and you get a, a one ounce pour and you pay a bunch of money and it all goes to a good cause. And so as, as more people get into this hobby, I'm, I'm hoping that that really takes off because we can, we can really support a lot of good causes. And you got to name and, something and, that pissed you off too. It, something that pissed me off, and maybe this is the, uh, the, the Bourboner logo that, uh, that Blake is looking for, but stop with the crotch shots, guys. I don't need to see <laughs> any crotch shots in 2017. Let it die. Let it die. Yeah. Do it. I would agree with that. It's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing I guess makes me happy is seeing my hometown just change and grow so much from this industry. Bardstown is just, it's so crazy how much there's warehouses popping up, jobs being created, new restaurants, new bars, r- hotels coming in. It's its really exciting to see the change. Um you know, these we we talk shit about these big companies, but they are really making an impact 
in uh, the local area there. But uh, the thing that pissed me off is these freaking fucking liquor barn emails <laughs> that they send out and th- that let everybody know that stuff's coming out. And it's like people are just going to show up because you're sending an email about it. I don't know. I, I'm just – I wish it would just go back. We put it on the shelves. Don't tell anybody about it. Who shows up gets it, you know, versus doing these big ordeals of raffles and, uh, you know, been a, send an email blast where you have to get there early for freaking Weller 12. It's it's just pissing me off, and it's got to stop. I, I can second that one. I totally <laughs> partly agree. Agreed. All right, Blake, what do you think? <laughs> so one thing I like about bourbon is there is a whole lot – of new guys coming in constantly. And, you know, I kind of see it a lot with Bourboner of people getting into the hobby and having an appreciation for everything. So that's always fun. Um, and kind of on the point that Brian said is there's a lot of people doing, you know, Bourboner for as much junk as we put on, we've raised close to $5,000 for a nonprofit, um, in regards to it's a cancer fund. Um, so just things that we can do with these, bourbon bottles is always pretty cool to see. Um, now, one thing I would hate is just the amount of tension that's focused on limited editions. So I'm probably just as guilty as this as anybody, but you know, a, a guy who's new to bourbon doesn't need to go out and pick up Four Roses single barrel limited edition, some bottle with Van Winkle on it and some stag or something. You know, There's so many other great bottles that they could be getting into but the focus is on these limited editions. And I, I, I think that's just, it, it's misguided because one, you don't even know your own taste palette yet. Um, and two, you're just spending a whole lot more money than you need to before you're really getting into the hobby. So <laughs> the thing that I love about bourbon and rye and why I still love this hobby are the memories that get created through bourbon and rye. You know, we'll have, guys over that have never even seen uh they've heard of pappy van winkle they've never tried it i'll pour them a pappy we'll have a great evening of talking about bourbon pouring great bourbons and they'll say man i remember that time i came over it was so much fun i had a great time trying all this stuff i mean those are the memories that are why we are in this hobby right we're in this hobby not only because it's it's enjoyable and it's fun but you make some great connections with people and you have some great memories with it and in this year 2016 i had a lot of great connections with people and that's why i'll keep staying in this hobby even as everything else about it pisses me off people taking off age statements raising prices uh dumbasses taking over the hobby um <laughs> just the way it is but the, the memories definitely overshadow all of that bad stuff so is there like a single one thing that pissed you off or is it just everything in general? Just everybody. <laughs> Even all of you fucking guys here. <laughs> Except Brian. I, you've never pissed me off, Brian. And Brian, you haven't either. So I'll kind of wrap this up and, and thinking about this. You know, I, I'll kind of start, you know, we, everybody kind of start off talking about, you know, what they're happy about. And I'll kind of start off by kind of what pissed me off. And, and I think it's, it's kind of going, you know, tag along with what Carrie was saying is, is just the Facebook explosion of what we've been seeing. You know, it's the groups we're not supposed to talk about, but some of the groups are, are reaching astronomical numbers. And with that become, as, as Carrie said, more and more people that are just getting in the hobby and all they want to do is find limited releases. Uh, it kind of goes back to what Blake was saying. And then it, it makes it harder for us who are, I mean, you know, picking up eight George T. Stags back in 2014, that was that was easy. Uh, this year, getting one was an incredible feat that that was uh, pretty damn tough to do. So, getting anything limited edition now is is pretty much pissing me off because of the amount of competition that has come up around here. But all this has an inverse effect. Uh, the inverse effect is that everybody sitting here tonight has gotten just a little bit more popular in the past year because of it. Uh, the podcast has really taken off. We've got a, a great listener base. Uh, there's been uh, 40 people that were actually watching this this podcast that happened live tonight. I'm sure all the bloggers here on this roundtable can say that their following has has increased. Uh, so I, I'm glad to glad to see that 
you know, there is a lot more interest in it. And I think that's what's great. Um, maybe it's it's bad on us because all we ever talk about is limited releases, right? I think we should we should maybe yeah. get back to talking about maybe just Henry McKenna or Henry something McKenna. like that. <laughs> you know, with that, I, I think that you know, like I said, it's it's gotten so popular that it's had a, it's had a good inverse effect on on you know what we've been able to contribute back into the greater bourbon community. Well said. And we um, did this as a hobby, right? We because we love it. It's a hobby, but the people that we meet and the people that we impact and the relationships that we make, those are real. And so it's, it's awesome to see a hobby translated into something where you can affect people on a real side, which is cool. Awesome. So let's go ahead and let's wrap it up. So go around the table real quick. Uh, Carrie, you go first, uh, who you are, where they can find you, how they can get in contact with you. Carrie, um, on Twitter, follow at bourbon underscore gamer. Um, on Facebook, look for the uh, Suburbia, S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A. That is my blog, suburbia.com. I'm also in the um, Bourbon uh, Penthouse calendar. I'm uh, January, <laughs> so uh, look for that, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Brian. I'll jump in. Uh, Brian with Sippin' Corn. Find me on Twitter at S-I-P-P-N-C-O-R-N or search uh, the Google blog spots for Sippin' Corn. And uh, thanks for our 40 guys for watching and, and all you too. He's February, by the way. <laughs> that was a great layout. <laughs> it was a really cold month. <laughs> so you had your sweater on. Just the sweater. <laughs> that's quarter of the night. <laughs> all right blake finish this up blake uh the real burboner.com <laughs> uh no blake burboner.com on twitter it's bourbon burboner.com and then instagram it's burboner uh there's a facebook group as well or if you have any questions feel free to email me at blake at burboner.com Awesome. want to say thank you all again for joining the show. Um, Make sure you follow us as well for anybody that's out there listening to this. It's at Bourbon Pursuit on Twitter and Instagram. And we also have facebook.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. If you do like what you hear, make sure you support the show on Patreon. So thank you to everybody that is supporting the show. Uh, We we actually will have t-shirts here relatively soon. Uh, So it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. Hey, Kenny and Ryan. Yep. How many... um podcast are you up to now this will be 78 i believe this week is this release wow you guys are i'd say from all of us in the bourbon community thank you for all that you do for your podcast i know it's a lot of work to do it as often as you do it and interview all the people that you do but i think we all look forward to all of your podcasts and all of your hard work so thank you guys for all that you do too you can thank absolutely i just show up and make random comments well, cheers, guys. You give you help give us the content, so it makes it really easy. Yeah. Cheers, fellas. I'm going to bed. Say, it gives me plenty, plenty to listen to on a long commute to work. So I do thank you. All right, Ryan, wrap it up for us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys, for taking your time. I know you are ready to go to bed. Get your day ready tomorrow to fix the computers and prepare some taxes. So uh, have a good night. And uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Have a happy holidays, and we'll see you next time.